2: Now, more of Friday Night with the Hacksaw. Jim Hackett on WEEI. Just take those old records off the shelf.
0: I said listen to them by myself.
1: All right, welcome back. Sports Radio, WEEI. It's Late Night Friday Night with Jim Hackett. And I was talking to Joe, the producer, before we went on. I said, I want classic rock. And he said, well, I have like a top-level understanding. I said, boy, do you have top-level. To, this one you can put away. This one you can put away. I love Seeger. But this is, the, uh, this is the wedding dance that you have the uncle with the lampshade on his head that has like three beers a year and they're all at that wedding. That's the song they play. <laughs> Just learning you up, Joe. All right guys, 617-779-7937. Had a little fun in the first hour kind of talking about the state of all four Boston sports teams as we turn the page to 2023. Who's best position for success in 2023? I've got the Bruins one. They got the look of a champion on them, man. They got a look of a champion. The Celtics a very close second, who obviously were in the finals last year. I think they just have a couple little emotional hurdles to get over, a little more wisdom from their coach and their young core that's evolving and blossoming into NBA elite talent before our eyes. I've got the Patriots third because as they have disappointed and fallen on their face in 2022 with terrible, just absolutely terrible and arrogant decisions about, with Bill Belichick turning 70 years old and thinking he can control this entire team by himself and putting Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to learn on the fly – from training camp all the way through Christmas and now to New Year's Day, was a mistake. And your quarterback has regressed because of it. And your entire offense has regressed because of it. And your offensive line has been terrible. And Matt Patricia is in charge of that as well. Bad decisions. been a lot of bad roster decisions. Said bye-bye to a lot of people like, you know, I don't know, Tom Brady four years ago. Not a great idea. Um, but it doesn't end there. A lack of succession plans in personnel. When you lose a guy like uh, Ziegler, no one there behind him. I've talked about the nepotism in this show a lot with his own children, and you know Al Groh's son Matt Groh, running personnel. Now he might be very talented in doing so, but when you've got Stephen Belichick as a defensive play caller, Brian Belichick on the staff, Matt Groh, son of a peer on the staff, you once had Mick Lombardi, son of another peer, Mike Lombardi on the staff. A lot of nepotism. A lot of friends, a lot of this, a lot of that. I've been saying for months, I've been writing for years. We need outside eyes in this organization. Someone outside of the Parcells tree, someone outside of the Belichick tree. And I'm thinking at seven and eight with Miami coming into town this week. Your upside is eight and eight. Five hundred team. The Patriots are exactly a five hundred team. Yeah, they, they're
0: right where everyone thought they'd be eight yeah, or nine. Wins. They can
1: beat up. They can beat up the teams that that are poorly coached, that have bad quarterback play, and they will disappoint you all day long in the games that they should win, ergo the Raiders and the Bengals game that you just saw. Even though the Bengals are a far superior team, that game was there to be won. This is what 500 teams do. This is why they are 500. You lose some, you win some. They don't know how to close. They don't know how to win. There's a lot of reasons for that. They're not as talented at the positions that they need to be talented in, i.e. the skill positions. Their quarterback play has been terrible other than Bailey Zappi when he was in there for for a fleeting glimpse early. And I don't blame Mac Jones for that. I blame Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, and Joe Judge for that. However, within that broken system, Mac Jones has not played well within that. He has not been his best self within that failing structure. So lots of issues there. But the reason I have them third and ahead of the Red Sox is because a lot of money is coming off the cap. And I'm hoping there are some hard lessons learned and some humility for one Bill Belichick to say, you know what, I duffed this one up. I'm going to be 71. You're right, Mr. Kraft. I got to do things a little bit differently. Will he be open to it? Provided that Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft have that conversation with Bill, and provided that Matt Patricia is no longer the offensive play caller, and provided that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are put into roles that better suit them and, as such, better suit the players on the team and the, and the team itself, and provided you bring in an offensive play caller with some offensive NFL chops like Bill O'Brien or whomever it might be, or maybe it's someone from a different a different tree, as I've, I've discussed a million times, no Parcells, no Belichick, different eyeballs. And provided you get some help and personnel outside of the people that are just in your office that you're used to or their children, like Mick Lombardi or Mac Groh, Provided all those things happen, and seeing the amount of money they have coming off the books, I'm a little optimistic about 2023 and beyond. Maybe, should those things change.
0: Yeah, it's not like a multi-year rebuild like the team we're about to talk with. Like Like the team we're about to talk with. Yeah, in 2023, at least for the Pats there's an immediate sense that things can get fixed.
1: It could. And it's going to be really fun to watch. It's going to be the off season for the Patriots. Should these things happen? Should you hear when free agency starts that, you know, there are rumblings that Kraft isn't happy with Belichick and they had a conversation and then, couple weeks go by and the conversation went well and then you hear, you know, Billy O'Brien gets hired or someone else gets pulled into personnel. Alright, now you're going. Or maybe they're making some changes to the scouting department. Or maybe the Patriots, when you open up their their yearbook, they have a full slate of coaches. It's not the case now. Go look at any other NFL team's yearbook or the uh, what do you call it, like the, 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 the reference guide that you get there, the, you know, with the teams. Most teams have like 30% more coaches than the Patriots have. I just think they're running too lean. I was talking to someone today. They're so undisciplined, so many penalties. Well, what do you think the problem is? The offensive line coach is co- is, is calling the plays two things he's never done before. The head coach, who's made his bones in his 50-year NFL career, is has to do everything because he's got two nimrods running the offense. He's got his son running the defense.
0: Yeah, and that was the concern was like, why is Belichick at his age, 71, as great as he is, taking on more responsibility? He needs to be
1: taking on less. This is the time you delegate. It's 70 years old. You have all these lieutenants you delegate to. Here's the problem most of the lieutenants are gone. McDaniels, gone. Flores, gone. Chad O'Shea, gone. Brian Dable, gone. Down the list. Scarneckia, retired. We've talked about this. I've written about this, Joe. I've written about this, guys. For four years. I was ahead of this. The lack of succession plans on this team under Belichick since, like, 2014 is an abomination.
0: And what's funny is they've had succession plans, like, written up. Like, not necessarily for the coaches, but, like, remember, like, you know Jimmy Garoppolo was expected to be Tom Brady's guy. Yeah,
1: but Tom Brady replaced Tom Brady. That's what the same, happened there. Yeah,
0: but at the same time like when like Belichick was so like firm to his guns of like this is what I want to do, this is what I right. want to do that Kraft was just kind of sitting there being like all right Bill, you're the you're the football mind here and you know now is the time that it's just it's not he's in the wrong era. I'm done with, with what the, he's kind I'm, of trying I'm
1: done, to do. I'm done with the uh, deferring to Bill. I appreciate Bill Belichick as a lifelong Patriots fan since the mid to late '70s. As a child, I I value every part that he is, everything he's given us as a football fan. I'm done with the de- deferring to everything about Bill Belichick and Bill. We trust. Done with that. You've had four years. You've fallen flat on your face for four years. Not a lot of great decisions. The fact that you drafted Rob Gronkowski in 2009 and he had back surgery in college and you never had a a succession plan ever at tight end. We went years when he was at the end of his career in New England with nothing. Matt Lacoste. uh, Devin mean, Come on. Dalton Keene. Ryan Izzo. Please. They never. Such a blind spot. Receiver. Such a blind spot. No succession plan for Gronk. Early on the succession plan for Brady. I actually give you credit with that, with Garoppolo. But then Brady replaced Brady, and you had nothing for him. Coaches, the brain drain you've lost. I mean, we've been talking about this. 617-779-7937. Calls are coming in. Let's talk about this. with the, Okay, but before we get back into the Patriots, I beat that drum, let's get into, I want to get past the New England Free Jacks and the New England Revolution and every high school and college program out there. You know, boys and girls. And then we can get to the Boston Red Sox, who are the worst position for 2023. And as a season ticket holder, if you, happen to be, if you happen to be in a limousine somewhere, John Henry or Tom Warner, and you just happen to be getting into your Lincoln Town car with your driver after getting out of the airport after a great vacation, and EEI just happens to be on, feel free to call 617-779-7937 because I'm going to lay it out. I've had season tickets for 24 years, and I haven't renewed yet. I don't want to renew, and I don't know if my buddies that have that share season tickets with me, there's seven of us, if they're listening, I don't want to renew, guys. I'm not happy. I'm not a happy season ticket holder, and I'm not a happy Red Sox fan, and neither should you be, because Chaim Bloom has completely deconstructed this team, and I have a lot of gripes with High and Bloom, okay? One, my first gripe isn't really to him it's to John Henry for bringing him in with the mentality of a small market team in Tampa Bay and trying to apply it to a team that was one year removed from winning 108 games and their fourth world series in the last 16 years in 2018 with who I think is, if not the best, one of the best coaches, not only in, in the last couple of years in baseball managers and Alex Cora, but in recent baseball memory, Yet a core of all-stars and potential future Hall of Famers with Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, guys like Christian Vasquez, Andrew Benintendi, Nathan Avaldi, Chris Sale ended up being a mistake in terms of the back part of his career with the Red Sox, but still he was part of that mix. Not going to leave him out just because he's been injured.
0: Rick Porcello.
1: Rick Porcello. I mean, there's been tons, and what this guy inherited and is what I thought we were going to get was someone who could who could. Who could add in more creatively than just overspending?
0: Yeah, just rather like just not let, give me, fin- out the let big me finish.
1: Contracts. Add in. If you want to peel out some of those contracts, if you need to part with one, and I think they chose the wrong one early with Mookie Betts, but they were in that position. They put themselves in a position where he was going to free agency and they put themselves in a losing position where they had to trade him. Now, you were able to get rid of David Price's contract, bravo on that. And you brought back Alex Verdugo. Okay, decent player. Like him. He's pretty clutch. Clutch against the Yankees. He's 47% of what Mookie Betts is and can be, okay, at best. And then you have Connor Wong and Jeter Downs who you just cut. All right? So bad job there. What I thought they were going to get from High and Bloom was someone who could help, you know, maintain the core because he understands supposedly – or it was sold to me, that he, can, that he has good baseball acumen and can see it at a young age, developmental baseball, then what didn't you see with Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts when they were before their prime, pre-prime, pre-pre-prime for Rafael Devers? What didn't you see when you came here? To not put yourself in a position when your back is against the wall when they're in their last year of free agency, or in Xander's case, in free agency. And then you're surprised when one team muscles up for 12 years, $280 that surprises you? It's free agency. So my problems with Bloom are several. I've got several problems with him. One, wrong guy for the wrong team for the wrong market with which the canvas that he inherited, which was a championship core canvas, all of which were players that weren't even in their prime yet. Okay? Problem number one. Problem number two, he doesn't have courage of his convictions because if he did, Other than eroding this core, he wouldn't have desperately went and got Eric Hosmer or desperately went and got Tommy Pham or, you know, or he's signing guys like Corey Kluber now because he knows he lost Nathan Evaldi or was going to lose Nathan Evaldi. You can't rely on sale. So his add-ons don't really add up to the mix that we were sold his lack of eye of player development is very clear because he wouldn't re-sign his, old, his own players before they went to free agency. And look at the yield he's gotten back for the guys he's gotten rid of. It's terrible. So, for a lot of reasons, the Red Sox are in that final spot in terms of who's best position for 2023, and they're certainly most in the worst position for, for the future. Because if you need to rebuild this thing, which you desperately do, rebuilds take a long time in baseball, particularly if you're not willing to spend particularly if you're not willing to spend. We're going to trend. We're going to break. and We're going to come back with more Late Night Friday night with Jim Hackett with a little announcement as the show progresses. More after this. All right, welcome back. Sports Radio, WEEI. I'm Jim Hackett. late night, Friday night. Thanks for listening on the WEEI Sports Radio Network or on the Odyssey app where you can get us anywhere, anytime. So what we've been talking about throughout Hour 1 and as we broke into the 11 o'clock hour is 2023 and the state of all four Boston sports teams as we turn the page of 2023. Who's best positioned for 2023? I've got my list. The Bruins, one. Celtics, two. Patriots, three. Every college and high school program, the New England Free Jacks, then the New England Revolution, and then the Red Sox. That's where my list is. And then who's best positioned for the future and beyond? And, and, and it's basically the same list, although I flip-flopped the Bruins and the Celtics for the future, and I can get into that. But first, I want to take Bill in New Hampshire, who's been holding patiently. He wants to talk about the Red Sox and uh, the Bloom situation. I'm hoping he's as unhappy as me. Good evening, Bill. Good evening, Bill. Bill, you there? Bill in New Hampshire. Yep. What's going on, Joe? Lost Bill. All right. Well, Bill is going to talk about high and bloom. Bill, call back. 617-779-7937. I'm going to blame that one on Joe. But uh <laughs> But so, look, if you've been listening, you you know where I stand on the um, on the state of the Red Sox and the Patriots. And um I'm not happy about it. I do see a little bit more upside with the Patriots only because so much money's coming off the cap. And I was having a conversation offline before I got on air about this, like, you know, why are you so much more confident in the Patriots than you are the Red Sox? And it really comes down to Robert Kraft because Robert Kraft at his core is one of us. He was a season ticket holder. He's a local guy. He loves the Patriots. I love the Patriots. What I think is best for the Patriots is that they fall flat on their face on Sunday and then they get destroyed by the, by the bills uh, the following Sunday because I think Bill Belichick needs some humbling that's what I think. I think he needs some humbling, and the more evidence that you can shove down his throat, the easier the case is going to be for Robert Kraft. Because I know Robert Kraft feels, and I've I've met the man like once at a charitable thing, but I, you know he doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. Um, and I know he can't be happy. And he was quoted uh, earlier in the year on March 29th at the baseball, uh, the, sorry, the football NFL winter meetings in the off season meetings, and he said it. He was quoted. We haven't won a playoff game in four years, and I think about that a lot. And he got into how the draft and the collaborative environment in the draft's last couple of years has been better. Um, so, you know, all that's good. That means your owner is invested and he's looking for change. Well, after this season and off season, and the experiment in real time of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running the offense and confusing your top asset in Mac Jones and the regression that the entire offense and your quarterback has had, isn't that evidence enough? And if it isn't evidence enough, wouldn't a couple more in the L column help Robert Kraft make the case to say, Bill, we need help. We need Bill O'Brien. We need help. We need someone. We need outside eyes. And we've got all this money coming off. And if I'm going to give it to you to spend, I think I'd like someone else's opinion on that too. That's where I stand. That's where if I was Robert Kraft or Jonathan Kraft, that's where I'd be thinking. All right, we got Bill in New Hampshire back. Let's see Bill. Bill, good evening. Hey, Jim, you there? I am. Welcome to the show. Hey. Thank
2: you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Same to you. I hope uh, holidays have been treating you well. They've been great. Hey, um, just wanted to uh, throw pretty much a hypothetical out there for you. Sure. Like, if if you play the game that um, Gresham Keith used to play on Wednesdays, What If Wednesday? Yep. So, so what if back in, what was it? Early two thousands, if Billy Bean accepted Henry's offer mm. to do this, to do the same thing that ian Bloom is doing now, I mean, do you think over the course of the last twenty years the Sox have they would have won four times?
1: It's a great hypothetical question. I'll say this, Bill, about Billy Bean: Billy Bean revolutionized the game for small market teams out of need. I wonder if Billy Bean had come here with a nice big fat wallet and and, and checking account to, to tap, if he might have expanded his horizon a little bit. And look it, I read the book. I've seen the movie a million times. Love the movie. And like, you know, as uh, Brad Pitt is brilliantly acting Billy Bean... He's saying, I just need a little bit more. I just need a little bit more. And it was really a struggle. And that, that caused him to have to kind of re, retool and rethink, you know, how he was even just going to be competitive. Um, but that, that's right. a mystery question. But we don't know. We, we, we don't know what that would have been. You know, in theory, they kind of went that direction in, with a little bit with Theo Epstein in terms of the player development eyeball. But Theo is really exactly what this city needs. Theo's the whole picture. Theo's from here. He understood the stakes. He understood that you couldn't strip it down the way Bloom is. And then maybe in theory, like you said, Bill, that maybe back in 2002 that Billy Bean would have done had he come here. I have to think, though. I have to think. And this is the salesperson in me, the, sales, the career-long salesman in me, that you know, when you work within a tight budget for a long time and then suddenly you have one, you kind of want to spend it, don't you?
2: No, totally. So totally. And you wonder if they would have given him, you you know, had the parameters around it to say, look, be tight with the wallet. But you know what? Every once in a while, go out and splurge.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good point, Bill. So thank you for the call. I appreciate it. I think Bill is kind of on to something. But this is, but that last thing that Bill in New Hampshire just said was very interesting. Be tight with the wallet but every once in a while I'll go out and splurge. And and this is like kind of the problem with Bloom now. Because I feel like and this is where lack of experience comes into the equation. I feel like Chaim Bloom is trying to please multiple masters and the result is he's pleasing none.
0: Yeah, I think that's the that's what he's doing uh to what Bill said, like he's he's keeping it tight but then splurging over a little bit but he's doing it to the wrong people. Like, why are you giving the money to Trevor Story when that money should be going to Bogarts, Devers, cetera? Yeah,
1: 100%. And then, so, it's a good question. Why isn't it happening? This leads me to, of the many problems I see in High and Bloom, is talent evaluation. Like, again, I've said this a million times. The, The Red Sox weren't competitive in the playoffs in 16 and 17, but they were there. What didn't... John Henry, Tom Werner, at the time, Dave Dombrowski. After that, Heim Bloom. What didn't they see? What wasn't seen from Xander Bogart's Mookie Betts, later Ralph Devers, from 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, to, to not put yourself in this position when you're pinned up against the wall in free agency. We all know what happens in free agency. And when I heard that report, at the baseball winter meetings at the morning after in, like the, in, the, in the lounge there at the airport.
0: Yeah, it was the, like a whole story on the like high Bloom in, yeah,
1: acting during the airport. The high and bloom had like a look of surprise on his face. You're a major league general manager and you're surprised that someone got overpaid and overextended in, in free agency? Someone of the talent of Xander Bogarts who's just entered his prime? For those who haven't heard me say this, a baseball player's prime is different than most other sports. It's 28 to 32 years old. That is statistically accurate. It is statistically documented. 28 to 32 years old is a baseball player's prime. What didn't you see from Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers and Mookie Betts from 16 through 21 that led you to this? What haven't you seen from Nathan Avaldi? What didn't you see from Andrew Benintendi? There was a lot I didn't see from Andrew Benintendi. I did see enough to, to get more than Franchi Cordero from him, I would think, which leads me to my other problem with Heimblum. The yields that he's gotten back are pathetic. They're no better than pathetic. He's gotten virtually nobody back in any deal that he's made. And the couple deals that he made that were good, Hunter Renfro, he shipped out for less. And Kyle Schwarber signed for less than $20 million a year for four years on a team that just went to the World Series, which, who oh, by the way, is run by Dave Dombrowski. So Dombrowski knows. You can't question that guy. And by the way, everyone beats up Dombrowski for, for emptying the farm system. Who'd he empty? There's one player of merit that he got rid of.
0: One. Yeah, I think that's another talk about this, is that Haim Bloom seems to value this idea of building a farm system but in reality, like how many guys like, are really going to be steady on the major league level?
1: Yeah. I mean, Lou Maloney's been talking about this for years, and he's right. You, it's great to acquire prospects, but they're chips. And, so, and most times, the history documents this. History proves this. Most times with your chips, you're better if you cash them in and you get real major league talent. And in a market like Boston, that's what we've always done. That's what we've always seen. That's what we're used to. And then you compound that with what he inherited. Bloom inherited a World Series, a, a team one year removed from being the winning, winningest team in baseball history and winning the World Series with a core that was all underage of their prime. Every single one of them. Evaldi wasn't twenty eight years old. Sale might have been kissing twenty eight. Vasquez Vasquez was nowhere near it. Mitch Moreland was probably there, but he was a you know a, a role player. Devers was nowhere near it, Bogarts wasn't near it, Betts wasn't near it, Benintendi wasn't near it. I mean, what are we doing?
0: I mean, that also raises the question of like, is this something that John Henry and um, ownership are telling Bloom, hey, we want to be under the luxury tax or we don't want to be like the Mets or the Padres. I have no problem with that.
1: I have no problem with them being under the luxury tax. I, As long as the Patriots are like in the top five-ish in payroll, I'm fine as a fan. As a guy who spends money, I spend my own money on season tickets. I'm fine with them not being in the luxury tax. But get the right guys. Make the right decisions. Yeah, and again, back to the
0: ownership. Are they telling Bloom, listen, you don't have to give – endeavors everything. You don't have to give Bogart's anything. It's like, how much is ownership let me give you a in Heimbloom's ear?
1: Let me give you a little perspective. So, so I've been in, in the sales profession. Shocker that late night, Friday night from 10 to midnight and wei.com's column doesn't pay the mortgage. Okay. I'm a salesperson. We'll get into that a little bit after the break, but let me tell you something as a sales pr- professional for my entire life that I have not seen from Bloom, And this really concerns me. And that's why the first time I was on this mic in this slot, in this role, 10 to midnight on Friday night, I said, first thing out of my mouth, it's October 7th. The Red Sox season just ended. They should fire High Bloom right now. I don't want this guy in charge of what could be the most important offseason in the last two decades for the Red Sox. With Bogarts in free agency and Rafael Devers nearing it and coming off a losing season with the wrong trajectory and no bullpen. And unhealthy starters, I don't want this guy at the switch. And now we're three months plus later, and he's at the switch, and pretty much everyone's gone except for Devers and Story. So, you're relying on Chris Sale and James Paxson for your starting rotation? Who's starting opening day, Nick Pavetta? I mean, come on. So, Heimblum has a lot of issues. One, we've talked about this. The canvas he inherited, championship core, young core, all below their prime. Joe, I don't know if you listened a couple of weeks ago, but I cited the GM who did it the best in the history of baseball was John Hart of the Cleveland Indians of the 90s. Do you know what John Hart did? John Hart scouted, drafted, nurtured, and developed the following players. Sandy Alomar, Jim Tomey, Carlos Barrega, Roberto Alomar, Omar Vizquel, Kenny Lofton, and Chuck Nagy among others. And before any of them, Emmanuel Ramirez, you might remember him, before any of them even neared anywhere near their prime, again, Major League Baseball players prime, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher, 28 to 32 years old, that's statistically documented. And before any of these guys even hit 23, 24, 25, he locked them all up for seven 10-year deals. Brilliant. The Red Sox were in that same exact position after winning the World Series in twenty in 2018. And I thought a guy like Bloom, coming from Tampa Bay, learning at the hip and at the knee of Andrew Friedman, would understand that. We've got young young talent here. We should sign them up before they hit free agency, before, before they hit their prime. But he fell into that trap. He didn't do it. So it makes me question, what didn't you see? Because these are all-star level players. Some of them are Hall of Fame level players like Devers and Betts. So, it makes me question, if you couldn't see that of your own talent that you're looking at basically every day at Fenway, who says you can scout other talent? And then let's look at the yield he's gotten back and the moves he's made. Pretty much crap. So, if you can't scout your own talent and realize what you have and strike before you have to get to the negotiating table, and you can't really get an eyeball for talent outside of your organization. And if you were brought in to pair the payroll down and you really haven't, you've just gotten worse, then what the heck good are you? You sold me. It's all on Bloom. It's all (laughs) on Bloom. -Bloom. And the the other thing is this. That's a good pitch. The other thing is this. When you're in sales, you need to know your marketplace. And Rob Bradford on the At Bradford podcast, or Baseball Isn't Boring, whatever he's calling it now, He had on, you know, the agent superstar of them all, Scott Boris. And Scott Boris said, quote, unquote, we knew what the marketplace was. Now, listen to that quote. Scott Boris is saying, we knew what the marketplace was for this free agent class. Rob Bradford asked, does that include Xander Bogarts? Scott Boris responds, yes, it did. They understood the market. So who didn't understand the market? That would be Haim Bloom, did not understand the market. If you don't understand the marketplace and you don't understand the competition for your players, if you can't see the talent before it's go time, if you can't evaluate the talent that you're bringing in for the players that you're forced to trade because you didn't see the talent in time, then what the heck good are you? I think Haim Bloom, smart as he is, nice of a guy as he is, and as talented as he may be in another role, He has been an abject failure in every single way that you would evaluate a general manager in major league baseball. So then across the board, a hundred percent failure.
0: So then let me put a bow on it and just ask you this before we go to break, uh, because we're talking about 2023 does Bloom last the year?
1: Yeah, probably. And I'll tell you why not, not because of merit and not because he deserves it. He should have been fired months ago, in my opinion. Um, but I think he probably will make it because I don't think the principal owner is as invested emotionally as he was once upon a time. I think he came here with a mission during that Moneyball era that uh, the caller from New Hampshire, New Hampshire had mentioned. Came here with a mission. We are going to win a championship. They've won four. Fenway is packed every night. They've got concerts there. They've got the Winter Classic there You know, coming up on Monday. Um, it's become an entertainment venue. It's more comfortable where I sit. And my two seats in the bleachers. The bleachers are way more comfortable since the, the Yawkey Trust and John Harrington are gone and Henry and his people have come in. So I thank you as a season ticket holder. What I don't thank you for is what you've done to a World Series championship team. I was just looking at the pictures the other day. They're not that far away on my phone. I just got to scroll a little bit. If it was TV, you could see me. Just scroll a little bit and I can get to 2018 and see the pictures of me at Fenway, the World Series. Very happy. Very happy to be there. But I'm not so happy now, and I haven't renewed my tickets. And if you're a season ticket holder, I'll just say this. I don't think you should either. Send a message. Things aren't good at Fenway Park. They aren't good in Foxborough. They aren't good at Fenway Park. Pretty good on Causeway Street. And we're going to talk more about who's positioned best for the future in 2023 and a little bit of news regarding this show coming up after the break. After the end of a good fight, you deserve a nice cold reward. All right, final segment of Late Night Friday Night with Jim Hackett. Having a blast talking about 2023 and beyond as we look to flip the page to the new year coming up on Sunday. And the Pats will start against the Dolphins. Uh, They'll kick off the new year, and then we've got the Winter Classic. So things start off kind of in exciting fashion. And I've been talking about the Red Sox and – how I've got the lowest expectations for them. I've got the lowest hopes for them in 2023 and in the future. I'm not, I don't think they're set up well at all. If I point the finger firmly at high and bloom, I've got a convert with Joe in the booth, which I'm happy about. And I want to hear what Ken and Maine thinks. Who's bringing up an interesting point. I think good evening, Ken.
2: Hey, good evening. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for the call.
2: You're welcome. Yeah. I I just caught the last few minutes and your comments about the Red Sox and and I've really been at a loss because I haven't heard anything from Alex Cora, and I was wondering what you guys are hearing. Is he involved with any of these discussions, and what has his opinion or comments been about these major deals with letting Bogarts go and all the other things that have been disappointing so far yeah. as far as what Bloom has done? what just curious your thoughts.
1: Ken, I think that is one of the best questions that we've had uh, since I've been on air is what does Alex Cora think, and has anyone heard from him? The The part right. I would say is that no one has heard from him that I know of. Um, the person I would follow would be Rob Bradford. If you get on Twitter, at Bradfoe, and you listen to his podcast, Bradfoe yeah. has the best connection to anyone in the Red Sox. He's the guy who gets the guys. But no one's heard from Cora. And I'm just going to speak off the cuff here, Ken, and thanks for the call. I'm going to speak off the cuff to answer your question. If you listen, if you think back to Alex Cora and his tone, um, what he said, what he said between the lines, what he didn't say but intimated, he wasn't happy all year last year, and nor should he be. Alex Cora is, if not the best manager in baseball, certainly one of the best, tactically in the playoffs. Multiple times, he's pantsed the manager and the other dugout. He's, he's pantsed Boone. He's pantsed Francona, who's his mentor. He's pantsed them all. Um, he is a baseball man through and through. And there's no way, there's no way that that guy who won with a young Xander Bogarts and won with an even younger and more impressionable Rafi Devers and won with a young Mookie Betts pre, pre, pre-prime of a Hall of Fame player and won with Nathan Ivaldi, and one with Christian Vasquez, and one with Andrew Benintendi, and Mitch Moreland, and down the line, and Kike Hernandez. There's no way he's happy. There's just no way. I've never met the man. He, can't, he wore it all over his face. Frustrating year, frustrating times, and as Yoda once said in Empire Strikes Back, now matters are worse. Matters or worse, I, I
0: know from the the re- most recent comments. I think we're at the winter meetings, or like somewhere on that time. And I think it was Tom Karen who asked him, and he just kept saying like He knows where I stand. He knows where I stand. And yeah. like he's not getting involved in the business side of things. But it's clear that you know he's not happy.
1: No, of course not. Let's let, let's sneak Mike and Newton in here uh, before we have to sign out. So uh, let's get to Mike and Newton. And we talk a lot of Patriots with Mike calls. I'm I'm sensing a Red Sox sensibility from Mike. Good evening, Mike.
3: Jim. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to um, you. Yeah. I think you've been spot on with Heim Bloom, and I just it, it made me think about you know what what are the next steps for the Red Sox, and they're having their winter weekend coming up next month. Yeah. Out in Springfield, like what is that supposed to be? I mean. What, what do they have to celebrate at all? Like what, what would as a Red Sox fan like you or me or anyone else, why would we want to go out to Springfield other than maybe place a sports wager? Cause hopefully there'll be sports betting at the sports book yeah, by then. Yeah. But my bet would be to bet the Red Sox in last place yep. uh, next year. Uh, and I will go, whatever their win total is, I would bet under that. And uh, if there is a, an over under for Heim blooms, uh, job secured, I would say, at some point in 2023, he'll be fired.
1: Right. I Look, I, I don't want to wish uh, ill will on anyone, but if you want the Red Sox to be successful, I think it has to happen. I hate to say it, but I think it has to happen. And it yeah, should have already Mitchell, happened.
3: I, w- I do wish him to be fired because he's been terrible at his job. Yeah. And people who are terrible at their job should be fired. Yeah. And that brings me to, to Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, this travesty of a season now – I think I called you, Jim. I think it was like about eight weeks ago. We went through the, like the last eight weeks of the yeah. games, yeah. And I said they're either going to be zero and eight or two and six. So they're two and four yep. with two to go. You, you know, maybe they'll beat Miami. Uh, I hope they don't. For the like you said, Jim, these teams that are going into the playoffs, yes, yeah. they're, I mean, a, joke. A, they're mean, a joke.
2: They're a joke. Extra yeah.
3: wild card. It's it is a joke. It's A joke. And it's not going to be. And it's just going to be the same as last year, Jim when they played Buffalo in the playoffs and just got their heads handed to them. Yeah. I mean, what is that going to prove? So as far as, like, the state of the teams, Jim, going forward, uh, you know, yeah, the Patriots are in a little bit better position than uh, the no, Red Sox, right. but not but not much because, I mean, what, is Belichick going to change and is Kraft going to do something? I just saw he just bought some, like, $25 million condo in Palm Beach or West Palm. Yeah. So I don't think craft is focused on the pats at all anymore so that's i i I don't know i've just lost hope and it's depressing to talk about the red Sox. it's depressing to talk about the patriots the page the 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 bruins and the celtics look great and like i said like you said jim i wish them health and happiness just like i wish you brother all right my man it's been a great show
1: thank you mike i I appreciate it my man thank you very much all right mike newton appreciate that so um I want to say something before we kind of wrap it up here, which is so, you know, I kind of teased it a couple minutes ago, which is, you know, uh, you don't pay the mortgage with late night Friday night here from 10 to midnight. And my little column here that I've been writing at com since uh, the spring of 2018, I've written actually over 160 columns. I, I, I love that. Uh, I've been a broadcaster here since 2013 with the Fantasy Football Hour with my, one of my best friends, Pete Davidson. And um, Ken Laird, you know, has uh, given me an opportunity to speak in this microphone a lot, like as a fill-in on Thanksgiving the last several years and did Christmas Eve with Fitzy and Morning Drive and had a lot of good experiences with Brian Barrett and Mark Dundaro and here by myself, 10 to Midnight. But my core employment here at at, uh, odyssey formerly entercom was a sales guy so i'm one of the rare breeds who's been a salesman has actually got on the microphones but i've been in sales here at wei for over 14 years it is 14 years and three months today today and uh, two weeks ago i gave my notice from uh, my sales position the ei has been the lifeblood of my career uh, for a long time. I've been selling for 28 years and 14 of them here. Half my career here at WEI. It's been spectacular. But I'm on to um, WCVB, Channel 5. I'm moving over there, which if you know media, that's the Rolls-Royce and the gold standard of media in Boston. I'm honored and humbled and uh, blessed and fortunate to be there. And uh, the sad part is i got to say goodbye on the microphone because... Out with the sales job, out with the show. But you know what? I'll be back. I got a good catalog. Thanks to all you guys listening. It's been a blast. It's been a thrill for me who's wanted to have a microphone in front of my face since I was like four years old. So thank you to all for making it happen. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Phil Zachary, Joe Zarbano, Kenny Laird, and everyone who contributed to that. We'll catch you on the other side.